0: Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiadis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Florida Governor Ron DeSantis combats the Chinese Communist Party, Reggie Littlejohn, fighter for China's women and minorities, activist about the Olympics, commentary on the three-child policy joins us, and finally, Barack defends Croaker race theory and attacks America, and of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned.
1: America, one voice, united we stand. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth.
0: And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Normally you think that the job uh, in the government to stand up against foreign, threats is a job that really resides at the federal level, at the Washington, D.C. level, and it really should. But sometimes when you don't see enough activity happening in Washington, you don't see national leaders standing up, sometimes state leaders step in. In this case, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, a now full-blown hero of conservatives in America, among the most Outspoken, one of the most uh, strong, articulate leaders of conservative policy, identifying conservative issues and taking action on them, Ron DeSantis, yesterday signed legislation to combat communist, Chinese communist foreign influence, Chinese espionage, and theft of intellectual property in Florida. Obviously, as governor of Florida, He really can only pass laws that relate to conduct inside Florida or impacting Florida citizens, Florida corporations. But the signal of this is huge. This is a conservative leader, a national conservative leader, widely speculated to be a very likely presidential candidate at some point in the future has taken action on many, many issues where other conservative Republican leaders kind of wait to see what Ron DeSantis is gonna do, governors in other states, and they go, oh yeah, me too, I'm with Ron DeSantis. Well, this is the latest one, and it's actually just a gangbuster thing because, as many Americans have recognized, there is a very serious threat to America, from Communist Party, from the Communist Party of China. Uh, aggression with Communist Party, uh, the Chinese Communist Party has been obvious to many people over the last years. We're gonna have Gordon Chang uh, join us on the show on Thursday to talk about his perspective on the latest conduct by the Chinese Communist Party. But this is a state leader in America, Governor Ron DeSantis, signing legislation in place, um, essentially talking about, in his language, we're gonna protect Florida's higher education institutions and government from foreign influence and combat corporate espionage, keeping Florida's intellectual property safe within the state's boundaries. He uh, specifically talks about these Confucius Institutes, which we've talked about in the show before, but they were sold to America's universities as a way to signify that they are open minded, they're diverse, they're multicultural, they're spreading understanding about. Uh, communist China and about ch- the Chinese language, Chinese culture, kind of you know, a cultural exchange kind of thing. And before long, wiser uh, men than those who allowed them in recognized that these Confucius Institutes were really present on America's campuses in order to spread communist propaganda and to gather information about Americans. And so there was a push during the Trump era to remove Confucius Institutes from the college campuses um, and some colleges on their own, even high level colleges that normally love to tell you how diverse they are and multicultural and international and all that they are, realized that they had really kind of let uh, a dangerous thing enter their campus with these Confucius Institutes. So Ron DeSantis stepping up, huge, huge thing to do um, and a huge message actually, to conservatives around the country because many Americans have a growing awareness of the belief by many people who are closely studying the election of 2020 that it may have been a great part China's hacking into America's election America's election, the voting machines, the voter tabulation software that actually interfered with America's elections in 2020. So if China was part of that, And China had a huge role, as we've talked about before, in the Wuhan flu virus, the Wuhan virus. We'll talk about that with Gordon Chang on Thursday also. You have an aggressive government in China, the Chinese Communist Party, very aggressive. And you have in Washington an administration that seems to have landed in power, at least in part from an election, that was influenced by interference with by China in America's election process. So the signal from a Florida governor, a conservative state governor that says, you know what, you Washington, you might be kind of soft on China. We're not, we're not going to a lot. We're gonna do the things we can do to protect the state of Florida and its citizens from the uh, pressure and aggression from uh, the Chinese Communist Party. One we'll other quick story, we'll also ask Gordon about this on Thursday. And maybe our next guest will wanna uh, talk about these two things also. But right here in the gray state of Texas, which those around the country listening to the show probably all often think of Texas as just a rock solid red place. You know, we're just on top of things. But actually, Texas has an issue because a an enormous parcel of land. uh, Texas is a huge state, obviously. An enormous parcel of land uh, was purchased by a, a retired Chinese military official who's a millionaire or billionaire, a millionaire, a billionaire, um, and and was uh, purchased as a wind farm, an alleged wind farm in Texas, the Blue Hills Wind Development, Southwest Texas, Valley Verde County, Val Verde County. A lot of attention being drawn to this because it's a massive piece of land purchased by a, uh, still in China, retired mili- uh, ex-military, a person in China, and it's very, very near a U.S. American uh, um, military installation. And actually there's been testimony before the Texas State Senate saying, why are we letting foreign interests buy massive pieces of land very near American military installations? Why why would this be a good idea? And concern, of course, that Texas, which has its own electric grid, uh, may be in some way endangering that grid because of the presence of this massive wind farm, which would attempt to, if it really were to generate wind, would connect into Texas electric grid, our, our own different, we aren't on the same grid as the rest of America. Uh, and it's right, this uh, massive piece of land, very near the U.S.-Mexican border and 30 miles away from Laughlin Air Force Base, the U.S. Air Force's largest pilot training facility. So to wrap up the first five, we need to be in America very, very aware of the aggression of the, the current uh, Chinese Communist Party regime very aware there is a, uh, a a hegemonic goal there is a world domination goal eventually we've had gordon chang talk about that in the show in the past but there is an infiltration into america in a variety of ways by the chinese communist party into america whether it's confucius institutes or buying land near a military installation uh owned by a by uh, a chinese a retired chinese uh, military official uh, and we have at least state governments having to step in the void and, st- and stand up for their own citizens, their own states, questioning whether we ought to be permitting this uh, increased engagement, this increased infiltration by the Chinese communist mindset, by the, Chinese, uh, the country of China, into America's educational institutions, into our culture, into our um, economic system and setting up camp right next to a military installation. I'm gonna guess if America tried to buy private land in China and set up any kind of institution and say, and we're right next door to a military installation in China, But don't worry, we're not spying or anything, China. You know, we might not be uh, so free to do that in the country of China. But here in America, more conservative voices waking up recognizing that people at every level need to be alert, paying attention, and willing to speak up about the role the Chinese Communist Party is playing, the growing role in America. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. Joining us via Skype is Reggie Littlejohn. She has joined us in the past. Uh, She'll be on with us in just a moment. To quickly tell you about her, uh, she is president of a group called Women's Rights Without Frontiers. She founded this group, she's a president of this group, and they're very active uh, in China. In, in monitoring, they began talking about fighting against the forced abortion policies in China, which were obviously horrific. Her organization has boots on the ground all over the country, very aware of uh, the uh, forced abortion, uh, the impact of changing Chinese policies uh, on the freedom of women and everyone in China, but women in particular. I think last time she was on, we were talking about the uh danger that is posed for many women in china who are widows who are very senior not able to find a way to be taken care of her organization again women's rights without frontiers uh, trying to help those people too this is an american woman with a passion and a heart and and fervent passionate interest in defending the women and the babies especially baby girls in china so without further ado we'll bring on reggie littlejohn
1: Hi Reggie. Hey, how are you doing? I am Uh, well. Good to see you. I want to say God bless you for all that you're doing to raise the awareness and really sound the alarm about China and the infiltration of China into the United States and the, the terrible influence they have. So very, very few voices are doing what you're doing. And I want to just say thank you for that, Debbie.
0: Well, thank you. It's very kind, Reggie. I have to tell you, I learn a lot from you. I really do. I learn a lot from you. And, and I know we both know Gordon Chang, another just uh, phenomenal American speaking up about the threats of China. Well, I just want to do very briefly because I, I love your organization. If you will quickly tell our listeners again, what your organization is all about.
1: So we as you said, started out fighting forced abortion in China. And I just want you to know that forced abortion is going to continue under the three child policy. And I hope we can talk more about that later. And then we moved into actually saving baby girls from sex, selective abortion and widows, uh, abandoned widows. And um, we're in just one little area of of China, but we have a network. We have boots on the ground there where we're actually able to uh, give mothers of baby girls a monthly stipend for a year to encourage them either not to abort or abandon their baby or to keep the family together so the mother doesn't have to leave the baby with the grandmother and go to the city to make money. Um, And then we also help uh, abandoned widows, which I call sort of the invisible uh, victims of the one-child policy. that They used to have extended families that would take care of them in their old age. Now they have no one And um, so we are also giving them $25 a month just to help them eat better, maybe heat their little room that they have in the cold winters, and just to say to them, you're a human being created in the image of God, and you're worthy, and you have dignity, and we love you, and we're going to help you.
0: it's simply mind-blowing you do that it really is i do think so many americans cannot even picture just a very different culture uh and thought about life and the value of life that exists in china uh, versus in america and to have an organization like yours reaching out sending those simple messages we love you we care we want to help you uh try to keep on rolling um i do want to get into because i know we're always i i remember other times we always run out of time before we hit all our topics so i want to jump right in and ask there was a story about how China is now changing. They used to have the one child policy, then two. now they're saying three children. Three children are okay. And this I think in part one two questions. One is why they're doing that? Why is China changing the policy? But then number two is this fact that China is going to be become going to permit families to have more babies going to kind of uh, remove the need for your organization or make it make your organization have less to do because they're because the government is relaxing their policies.
1: Okay, two, um, two great questions. Uh, to take the second question first, uh, the move from a, a two-child policy to a three-child policy is not going to end forced abortion or gen- gendercide. Uh, so the new rule is that all couples are allowed to have three children. So what that means is that you have to be a member of a couple to have a child, that's the same as under the two-child policy. Now, under the two-child policy, people said, "Oh, China's relaxed their their course of birth control, and now people can have two kids." Well, the rule then was very similar. Every couple is allowed to have two children. And Radio Free Asia came out with a report at the end of 2020 saying that, according to a, an official Chinese mouthpiece, the Chinese Communist Party aborts eight million extra pregnancies. That's what they called it. A year. Eight million a year of extra pregnancies. So what would those pregnancies be? I think that most of them were not people who were having their third child. I believe that most of them were single women, and it's still illegal to have a baby if you're a single woman, and that is going to continue under the three-child policy. It is still illegal for, for single moms to have their babies. So that's number one. And then number two Um, In terms of gender side, studies have shown that the more children there are in a family, the more likely the younger children are to be boys. And my concern is that under the three child policy, a lot of the people who are going to opt to have a third child are couples who already have two daughters and they are willing to go to the expense of having a third child if that third child is a boy. And I will be very surprised if the gender ratio of those still children is not heavily male.
0: Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, I do want to talk about this gender side thing for a moment because I think that is, uh, I, I mean, abortion overall is a horrible thing, but having an abortion because you're trying to steer, uh, you're, you want to have boys, and so girls are somehow either more expensive, harder to take care of, can't take care of, whatever the reasons are, you would. You would choose to uh, engage in gendercide and choose to abort girls a higher race than boys, the impact on that society has got to be so bizarre. And actually, I'm getting off a tangent here, but I remember reading something about how China has too many young men now who can't find wives because of the pattern of gendercide over the years. Do you know if that's true?
1: Oh, yes, Debbie, it's absolutely true. So, there are an estimated 30 to 40 million more men living in China today than women. And that is, has is like the impetus behind massive human trafficking and sexual slavery, both within China and from the countries. And they have these things called bachelor villages. So women are upwardly mobile because there aren't enough of them. So you get these outlying villages, uh, in the countryside, the kind of poor villages where the only people who live there are men and the elderly because all the young women have gone to the the local town or the local city to marry. And that is a recipe for a lot of frustration uh, and possible social unrest. And so that's why China is one of the worst countries in the world. According to the annual trafficking in persons report, it's a tier three nation, which is the worst rating that you can get in terms of trafficking people and also the government just not taking the kind of responses they should be taking uh, to stop this trafficking. Wow, just wow. Okay, so a three child policy is not gonna diminish your,
0: the need for your work in China and, um, and the gender side thing, I'm, I'm so grateful that you would be speaking up about this and being willing to take action and help families uh, and help convince women not to do that, not to engage in abortion because of the gender of their baby. Uh, I do want to turn to, I, I know it's a kind of a jump, but China is going allegedly going to be the host, or they believe they're going to be host to the Beijing Olympics uh, in 2022, uh, starting February 4th. They're scheduled uh, to host, be hosting the uh, Olympics you know, so next year, February 4th, 2022. And there's an effort ongoing, to convince the world, or at least convince America, not to participate or to try to move the uh, Olympics out of Beijing. And I know you're integral in that effort. So what is the reason
1: you're doing that? Well, first of all, people should look at my website. Not It's a website that a number of us have put together. So we're one of the two leading organizations, the other one being the Committee on the Present Danger of China, Frank Gaffney's group, are the two lead organizations on this effort. And the website is called genocidegames.org. That is genocidegames.org. And you can sign a petition to move or boycott the game. So the reason that this needs to happen, Debbie, is that first and foremost, China has been officially declared to be committing genocide. Okay? Genocide against the Uyghur population in what they call Xinjiang. So the Uyghurs are a Turkic Muslim population. They, they call their country East Turkestan. The Chinese renamed it Xinjiang when they took it over shortly after they, the Chinese Communist Party took over China. And lately, what they've been doing is they've been practicing rampant forced abortion, forced sterilization, forced labor, and then also removing parents from their children if they have more than two kids. Put, putting the parents in, in re-education camps, which are really concentration camps, taking the kids and putting them into orphanages or, um, or or boarding schools and teaching them Chinese and brainwashing them to be Chinese in their attitudes and reject their, their uh, Uyghur heritage. That's genocide. So, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, on his last day in office, declared this to be genocide. Secretary yeah. Blinken has confirmed that. And under the 1948 Genocide Convention, I have argued and I testified before Congress on this several weeks ago that we are obligated to take serious action to either punish or prevent genocide in, by, by China. Under, the, under our signature of the, of the 1948 Genocide Convention, the least thing we can do to punish China for their genocide is to move or boycott the games. I love
0: that. And I was going to mention, I have your article in front of me, your, your testimony actually printed out in front of me. And I'm grateful that you did that, I testified in Congress. And it is kind of an amazing thing. We, uh, the, the Uyghur population, which we I think I've talked about with, I think, Frank Gaffney, I'm a, numerous people on my show, we talk about the Uyghur population in China and how uh, America is fully aware of what's occurring. And they are, I mean, it is a, they may use the term re-education camp but it's, it's more or less enslavement they are used for forced labor there are a lot of allegations about them being actually used for involuntary organ donation i mean they are treated as a subhuman species by the country of china and yet we have for example the nba happy to continue doing deals with China, happy to sell their goods in China, we kind of have a massive double standard in America about dealing with China, and where we, where here we're just, you know, we have the most, the slightest uh, alleged affront toward any group or person uh, is enough to trigger riots and protests, or and, and and you know, massive complaining, and yet we continue to um, uh, to deal with China. I'm getting at the point. It's kind of like we have treated this as an insol- unsolvable situation. China just, hey, who knew? They're just gonna treat the Uyghurs this way and we can't do anything about it. And people who've been pressuring the NBA and saying, well, why don't you stop doing games there? Why don't you stop you know, selling your merchandise there? Why don't you stop having your merchandise made there? Nothing seems to penetrate. And I don't mean to pick just on the NBA, although they've been kind of central in this controversy but we have kind of as a culture in America said, well, you know, that's China, they are America, they they do things that we don't like and throw our hands up. So I love your effort on the Olympics because it is such an international event. Everyone knows about it, everyone loves the idea of fighting against this horrific treatment of the Uyghurs, and it's such a great public venue to do it. So, so talk some more about that. I mean, what? Who's getting on board with you? Are other countries on board with the idea of considering this of boycotting the Olympics? Well, I, I wanted to say you said that they treat them
1: like subhuman, um, subhumans. Okay, this this comes from um, from Secretary Pompeo's designation of them as as genocide, and and this has to do with genocidal intent. So. Secretary Pompeo said that the Chinese Communist Party has portrayed the Uyghurs as malignant tumors, comparing their faith to a communicable plague, and exhorting the party faithful to implement a crushing blow, telling them, quote, you can't uproot all the weeds hidden among the crops in the field one by one. You need to spray chemicals to kill them all. So if that's not a genocidal intent, I don't know what is. And. As, as you say, that there's a, a, a tremendous double standard. So there's the, 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 cor- the corporations that are sponsoring the Olympics all say that they care about human rights. And yet, why are they sponsoring the Olympics that are going to be taking place in a genocidal regime? So Congressman Chris Smith, who called the Olympics um, hearing a couple weeks ago, we, we said to him, what about these corporate sponsors? And he said, I'm going to have another hearing and I'm going to bring those corporate sponsors of the Olympics in to explain to Congress how they reconcile the beautiful r- language they have on their websites about how they support human rights and the fact that they are sponsoring the Olympics in a genocidal regime. And I can't wait to hear their explanation yeah I, I can't either. I, I'm
0: glad to hear he's interested in doing that. And you know, on the subject of those corporations, there used to be the argument that flew for a long time in America that we, America and corporations that were kind of better off engaging with China, And helping them kind of see look all the great good that can come to you uh, it would help kind of spread awareness of America spread awareness of freedom they would know more about us they would perhaps cause the Chinese Communist Party to relax its rigid control over the country that maybe interaction would lead to a better life for the Chinese people that was the argument of people both in terms of engaging in the our in the efforts we have done for with respect to international trade it's also in this one you can see someone making the argument well you know if we have the Olympics over there you there'll it's more of an international presence maybe more people there in China will understand more maybe we'll bring better understanding we'll springboard you know China into a better place by a lot Olympics to stay there but the fact is the signal we're sending is the world is okay with how you treat these people the world is fine with it we're legitimizing them or that's how I see it and I want to ask if you want to just comment on the difference between people arguing well somehow the Olympics being there will help uplift China versus or legitimizing what
1: they're doing? Okay. Thank you for asking that question, Debbie. Anyone who says that they think that the Olympics is going to help China improve their human rights, all they have to do is look back to 2008, because China hosted the Summer Olympics in 2008, made all kinds of promises uh concerning human rights and their human rights have deteriorated horribly since then to the point where they have been officially declared to be a genocidal regime so no one in the with can can hold that opinion with a straight face unless they're completely ignorant about what happened in 2008 and if they are so ignorant that they don't even know that they really don't have a right to be commenting on 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 these issues now that attitude of let's engage them, let's you know, let's try to help them, et cetera, that's called appeasement diplomacy. And it was very interesting that at this hearing in which I testified, Nancy Pelosi herself, the Speaker of the House, testified. I don't know when she's ever done that before, but she thought that this hearing was important enough that she would testify. And she said, as somebody who comes from the Democratic Party, she said, you know, I used to believe in the promises that the Chinese Communist Party made. But I don't believe them anymore. So even she has seen that that they just they break these promises and even she supports a boycott. Now, what she supports is a diplomatic boycott, so that just the senior officials of the United States would not attend. But but the reason that she gave was this. She said, How can a senior official from the United States sit there and, and enjoy the games knowing that there is genocide happening on the same soil? But oh. that argument but all around them. But you know what? That same argument goes for the athletes. How can an athlete compete you know, with a full focus, knowing that there's genocide happening all around them? That argument applies equally to the athletes. And if, if the games are gonna be held in China, I, I think that, they, that we're gonna unfortunately have to boycott them. I love that. Are other countries at all involved in this
0: discussion about whether to boycott the Beijing Olympics in 2022?
1: I, I believe that there are other countries. There are a number of countries that have declared uh, the, the behavior of the, C- of the CCP to be genocide. So the United, um, the UK is is one of them. Um, so these are official genocide de- um, designations. And my hope is that the huge hearing that we had in the United States that went out all over the world and including to China, I'm sure that they enjoyed. <laughs> Um, that it will inspire other countries like Canada, like the United Kingdom, like the countries all over Europe and anywhere else to have their own hearings and to, you know, to, to sponsor legislation, to move or boycott the gangs. But Debbie, I want to tell you something, what I think is going to happen. You want to know what I think is going to happen? I do. Okay. (laughs) Now this is, uh, this is just my prediction. I believe that the reason the Chinese Communist Party wants to have these games is because they're going to use it as a massive propaganda bonanza like they did in 2008 to legitimate themselves like what you just said. And when they see this growing movement of their dirty laundry being um, aired in protests, and by the way, we're having a a rally in Washington DC on July 13th to boycott the game. So anybody who's around, please come to that. But when they see their dirty laundry and protests growing around the world, they're going to think to themselves, you know what, this is not turning out the way we wanted it to. We're actually not getting, you know, good publicity from this. Hopefully some of the Olympic sponsors will withdraw. That would be great. So then what they're going to do, and this is my prediction, is they're going to say, we are going to postpone the games because of COVID. Um, right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and really what they're doing is they're canceling the games where they're not going to admit it. They're going to save face by saying that they're going to postpone them because of COVID. And then they're just, I, I believe, I, I predict that the, the games are not going to happen, you know, unfortunately. Well, so unfortunate
0: really for all the athletes uh, who are innocent uh, around the yes. world, who trained all year long, have done it for most of their human lives on earth. They've been training. And it's sad for them not to have the Olympics to go to, but I love the idea of the boycott. I love also, I want to repeat the date, July 13th, the rally in Washington, D.C. to support Boycotting the games. I love that. This is the era of rallies, and, and they do send messages. And, and actually, this is a great way to kind of wrap up what we've been talking about. You were saying earlier how Nancy Pelosi said, well, you know, she maybe wasn't in, totally in favor of a, a complete boycott, but she at least wanted maybe dignitaries to stay away, some kind of message. Your message of what your organization does, Women's Rights Without Frontiers, it is one of the wonderful things in our country that has a beautiful message, morally strong, and it actually appeals to people on both sides of the aisle. It's very hard for people, uh, even the left who may be pretty much pro-abortion or at least be strongly pro-choice, they don't want to be seen as pro-forced abortion and, and really to watch the horrific conduct of the government in China uh, yes. engaged in, in forcing women into having abortions and the misery and pain they cause. So I love that about your organization. It actually has bipartisan
1: support, right? That's right. I mean, no one's in favor of forced abortion. No, no one's in favor of the sex-selective abortion of baby girls. So what we ho- are hoping is that our message is a unifying message
0: love that. We are talking to Reggie Littlejohn. I meant to make sure to mention the website is womensrightswithoutfrontiers.org. And then she's on Twitter at, at, or maybe it was on the screen earlier, at uh, Reggie L-I-T-T-L-E-J-H-N, I think. Anyway, Matt had it up. Or, 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 whoever was in there, I can't see the, the, uh, the booth is dark now. Whoever's in there, we had it up for her uh, when she came on. So I love your organization. I'm so glad you're available to join me today. I really appreciate all your hard work on behalf of China and women and girls and widows and, and just the whole outreach of someone, the loving Christian heart in America, saying to China, someone thinking of you. I just highly commend you. And Reggie Littlejohn, thank you for joining me
1: oh thank you so very much debbie and i love your work too
0: thank you ma'am okay great to see you okay so we're gonna head two other quick topics my friends um one is um there's a um there was a cnn interview you no know, one um and it had it was barack obama and he was interviewed uh and it was written up he basically was on cnn interviewed about critical race theory and i want to share with you in a moment what he had to say i'm going to talk about what he had to say Because I have to tell you that the growing interest on the conservative side in discovering what critical race theory means, what it stands for, to try to help school districts, public schools, all sorts of organizations understand what critical race theory is, it really has kind of burst on the scene within the last few months. The theory itself has been around for a while. What is new is that there's more conservative awareness than ever before about what exactly this stands for, what it will teach, what the points of it is and um, points of critical race theory are, which I'm going to get to in just a moment. But I will say because of Barack Obama, what he had to say in this interview, there's that expression, the military, you know, you know, you're on target and you're you know, you're over the target when you're taking fire. Barack Obama and the leftists are very bothered that there is now an awakening among conservative school districts, political parties, political activists to an awakening to what critical race theory really is teaching and what its impact is. So before I go to time Barack Obama, I sent to Matt the wonderful or whoever's in that booth, uh, I sent the uh, a flyer for the uh, organ- an event I'm doing next week here in Dallas. I want to ask you put that flyer up and just tell you again about this If you like this show, you will love this conference. Uh, It is going to be next Thursday. So it's uh, Thursday, June 17th, an evening conference, 5.30 check-in, 6 o'clock program. Uh, It's at a new location in Dallas. We just found a fabulous meeting location, the Highland Country Fellowship Church, which if you're in Dallas, is very near North Park Mall. Very near North Park Mall. It's on the south side Northwest Highway on Bodecker Street. Everyone knows where Bodecker is. And it's a great venue. And very quickly about the people who are going to be speaking at it. It's a very substantive, serious conversation about critical race series impact on America and what it's going to be doing to our country and to be alert and how to speak about it in a constructive way. So Kendall Qualls, uh, the first gentleman in with a blue shirt, in uh, the pictures on this on the screen, uh, he's from Minnesota. He founded an organization called Take Charge. He's a former congressional candidate, ran for US Congress from a Democrat majority district uh, in Minnesota. He's Republican. He did really well, given it's a Democrat majority district. But he um, formed Take Charge to basically say, everyone needs to take charge, every family, every community, take charge of your lives, take charge of your decisions, your family's decisions, how you pursue education, how you treat each other, how you take care of your life. How, and so he'll tell you more about that, but it's, it's foundationally founded. It says right on the, on the mission statement, To challenge and reject critical race theory he basically is saying critical race theory is all about telling people don't believe you have any responsibility for the outcome of your life Uh, all you have to do is point the finger at somebody else and that's not your fault and you're not responsible and he's saying that's hogwash get be in charge of your own life And, and take and so it's a call take charge he's wonderful next person in extremely beautiful, Cicely Davis, Ireland. She is the head of Blexit, which is the Black and Latina exit from the Democrat Party. President of Blexit from Minnesota. uh, Young, articulate, passionate. She's going to talk about messaging as she tries to bring the message of conservatism to the Black community in Minnesota. Um, I assume largely the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, but probably other areas as well. She's going to talk about the impact of critical race theory on the way people think as she's talking to them. Next person, Rebecca Friedrichs the show many times. She's the founder of For Kids and Country, former California school teacher, former plaintiff in a case that went all the way to the Supreme Court. Basically, she's going to talk about what happens in the public schools and how the critical race theory has, uh, you know, slithered its snaky way into the public schools and is an an instrument of public schools to manipulate thoughts of children, to manipulate, uh, to convince children to be suspicious of their fellow students and fellow Americans because of skin color to hate america to hate their fellow it's, it's just the most hateful divisive ugly um the uh, teaching and she's going to talk about that and that most teachers don't like teaching it they just have to and the teachers unions is the ones that really bought into it last person on the far right is cameron bryan he is a member a, a newly elected member of the carroll isd uh here in a community called south lake and and that whole race here just very recently occurred in texas that whole race sprung uh, has a central issue uh for the his school district seat another person's seat two seats on city council and the mayor's race, very front and center. We're going to take on critical race theory and understand what it is. So that's the conference. As you can see at the bottom of that flyer, you can go to our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org. You can register for the conference there. uh, And and when you do that, uh, you'll discover it's $25 a person. It's very inexpensive for a packed evening. Uh, You can pay on Venmo, Venmo at America Can We Talk. You can send a check, uh, and you can register via credit card online. Sponsored by, I'm very grateful, a new sponsorship has come along. Patriot Mobile is sponsoring this event, sponsoring in part. So they are helping make this event possible. I just want to encourage you, if you're anywhere in North Texas, this is the place to be next Thursday evening, June 17th. Show up. You will love it. You'll learn a lot. Tremendous opportunity for Q&A. We're going to have uh, information handout package. You're going to leave there with so much information, you'll hardly believe. So I really encourage you to come and to tell your friends about it. And if you are not on our email list for this show, I urge you to get on our email list. You can do that by going to Americachemytalk.org. And on that homepage, hit subscribe. You get a once a week newsletter. It'll come out again this Friday. It'll include all that information again and tell you how to register or just go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org and front and center on that happy homepage is the uh, flyer for the event that you just saw and the easy way to register. We love to have you. It's a great opportunity to talk about preserving America. Now I want to turn back and tell you about Barack Obama. So he was interviewed um, on cnn which uh you know red flags should go up to cnn you know kind of dicey but on cnn um, he was talking about the new and kind of um he sees as troubling attention by republican members of uh, the elected republicans federal level state level republican activists conservative organizations he's concerned says he former president obama about the focus on critical race theory and he engages in several arguments that I want to translate into plain English for you. I want to tell you what he said and what he really means and why he's saying it. Because what is happening, that uh, phrase I mentioned earlier, the idea of being when you're, that military expression, you know, you're over, you know you're over the target when you're taking fire, when they're shooting at you, He's concerned because conservative America is waking up to recognize the real agenda of critical race theory. And to summarize very quickly, the real agenda of critical race theory is not not to help people understand each other better. It is not about discussing racism and ways to heal racism. It is not about exposing racism. It is not about building bridges of understanding. It is not about rooting out prejudice. It is about painting America with an evil and ugly brush as a widely uh, held, a a massive, a, a country with a massive problem of racism from its very inception. It's very much tied in the 1619 Project. The New York Times tried to pull off where they tried to convince America that we should all see America as a deeply racist country, that our very foundational ideas um, are racist in nature. So that's what the 1619 Project was. BLM has similar agenda, trying to introduce race as the primary issue in America. CRT, Critical Race Theory, is basically about the idea that every single issue in society, every aspect, every activity, every, uh, every component of life, everything about life from the moment you wake up, should be seen and discussed and understood through the lens of race. You are to judge other people because of their skin color. You are to assume because of their skin color, that they must believe certain things, that they must have engaged in certain conduct, or even if they didn't engage in that conduct, they're still guilty of that conduct. This is the point of critical race theory, is to permanently set, you know, I use the term silos, but you got to picture silos made of cement, you know, shut closed with a lid on top, you could never take off. That's the point of critical race theory. The only thing about any person that is ever to be to, to define them is the one thing that no one ever chose. No one on this planet Earth, since time began, has ever chosen their own race, skin color, national origin. Uh, no one has ever chosen their racial identity. You just, it's the package you came in. That's what race is. But what these people are trying to do is not just encourage mutual understanding and dialogue it is to cement people into a racial identity, convince people, especially children in schools, convince them because of your skin color, you are either oppressed or you're the oppressor. That you are, because of your skin color, guilty of the the conduct of people you've never met and never knew and aren't even alive anymore. Or because of your skin color, you are a permanent victim, entitled to everything, every new thing they think up to say you're entitled to. And uh, among the many, many aspects of critical race theory that is so troubling, several of them, one is they actually lay out their tenets, their 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 fundamental uh, things they believe in, the critical race theory advocates. And I went over this the other day on the show because one of them basically says when white people engage in activities to support civil rights. When they support civil rights legislation or support civil rights movements or you know, demands by a civil rights group, when white people do that, they don't really mean it. They're still guilty of being racist. Point being, you can never escape the ugly definition they attach to you because of your skin color. Inescapable, permanent. Number two, there's no love in critical race theory. It's all about hate. It's all about infesting the thought of America with the notion that you should view those around you who don't happen to have your skin color as your opponent, as your enemy, that the entire country should be seen as rooted in hate and ugliness. There's no love in critical race theory. It's all about divide and division. Number three, race is used. The critical race theory is used. By those who've wanted to bring Marxism and communism to America for decades, is just their latest device. It's just their latest device, another way to divide us. As we've talked about in the show many times, when the communists came to America in the 1920s, they wanted to bring this glorious new communism. Look at this! You know, we're going to have we're going to attack your economic system, and we're going to have a beautiful uh, new system in America. It's going to be, you know, uh, communism, and the Americans will look around and just say, you know what? Actually. The communists are miserable, and they're poor, and everybody's poor. And the communists coming here realized they could not sell Marxism and communism to the American people because everyone with a brain can see that socialism and communism create misery and poverty. But because they were so determined to sell this new utopia of Marxism and communism, they chose a different avenue. They chose the avenue of race. They decided, okay, here's how we'll do it will tell America that you are, it's a deeply racist country and will divide them along the lines of race and pit them against each other, just as the communists tried to pit the working class against the wealthy in the countries where they overtook those countries. It was always about finding a way to create class division. Race is just the next tactic they have. And the solutions, the solutions that the critical race theory advocates have, the 1619 Project have, the BLM people, it's always the same kind of solutions. Massive wealth redistribution. Forced confiscation of wealth to give to other people. Never mind that the people you're confiscating it from didn't do anything wrong and the people who, to whom you're giving it weren't necessarily the victim of any racism. It is to have a, in fact, the, the uh, psychology of critical racism, critical race theory has as one of the basic tenets the idea that no matter how noble, good, and wonderful people say they are, what they say they believe in, what they, what, no matter what they say, the fact is we're just really racial beings. That's all we are utterly contrary to the idea of america to the founding ideas of america founded on the beautiful ideas coming from the scriptures created by god god's image and likeness with rights from god all equal all equal and rights from god simply because you're born and that was the idea of the declaration the idea of the rights that were embedded in the constitution's bill of rights all of those ideas cannot they're intolerable when you are a marxist when you want to control society you've got to see critical race theory as a vehicle to get to the marxist control the left has always wanted so now i want to go with brock obama had to say so in this interview because more people are waking up to critical race theory and fighting it in their public schools and exposing it in their public schools he went on to say he started by saying right-wing media outlets profit by stoking fear and resentment among white people toward a changing america pointing to national pushback on critical race theory. So he's basically saying the only reason critical race theory is even being talked about is because white America, with who, with, which he's painting with a broad brush, white America is intolerant of or frightened by the idea that America has a changing set of demographics, which is utter, okay, we don't swear on this show, so it's hogwash, hogwash. This is, there may be some minute element of America that really kind of, you know, whatever, historically saw America was mostly white and thought it was gonna stay that way. This is not, this is not true of America. This is a lie coming out of his mouth, a lie because he needs to find some reason to vilify people willing to explore what critical race theory is, what it teaches, and what it will do to America. So he started out by saying, well, you know, these white people, they just don't like the fact that America has changing demographics. Hugwash. Number two, he said. he also talked about, you know, we, had, we have a history in our country, as we all know. We had slavery, we had segregation, you know, we had slavery in the Civil War, we had segregation, we had the civil rights movements, we still have. I mean, no one's claiming America is perfect and free of racism. But what he's saying, Barack Obama is saying, is, well, uh, there, America had many race problems in the past, and, the, uh, and, um, and our problem right now is a reflection of the fact that the U.S. hasn't fully reconciled with our history. Well, I don't know what fully reconciled means, but it kind of sounds like reparations. I-, I mean, fully reconciled. We have always taught in our public schools since time began that we had slavery and that it was wrong. And after the Civil War was ended, we ended slavery. And we've taught since the, the era of the Civil Rights Movement that we had segregation and it was wrong. And the Democrat created Ku Klux Klan and Democrat created Jim Crow laws were evil and wrong. These things have been taught for decades. Would you not, We don't have people who don't know. We don't have that. But this is justification for letting the critical race theorists come into the schools and divide and conquer and destroy America, well, because we're not familiar enough with our history. Uh, Yes, we are, actually. Yes, we are. And then he also says, um, he, uh, he said, so he's talking about the terrible things in the past, which I assume include segregation, and Jim Crow, and Ku Klux Klan, and all the stuff that was evil and wrong and bad. And he says, but the vestiges of that linger and continue. Um, And so he's basically saying, because those things happened, you have to let critical race theorists do whatever they want. They can teach whatever they want. They can, devi- they can have kids crying in school because they're being told they're a bad person because they're white. And some other child being told that you're a victim, even though he was doing pretty fine that morning. He got to school. He may have black skin, but, he, but you know, he's a happy kid. He's, he likes his friends and neighbors of every skin color. He's a happy guy, but he goes to school and told, no, 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 you're actually supposed to hate your neighbors who don't have the same skin color, and you're supposed to think of yourself as a victim. And... What Obama's complaining about is that the conservatives finally woke up and recognized how divisive this policy was. And he also talked about, yeah, he's changing demographics, already mentioned that one. Um, he also said, and this is a really, really, really important point to get at, and probably the last one I can do today, but a really important point to get at how Obama's twisting the story on critical race theory. He makes the point, he says, you know, you can have people who, you know, uh, love America's history and love the founding ideas of America, blah, blah, blah. Um, And, but he says, but when those people are critical of critical race theory, they do everything they can. This is the people attacking critical race theory. They do everything they can to give people a sense that their way of life is threatened and that people are trying to take advantage of them. If you understand, that the Marxism that was clearly a minority, extreme leftist, whack job, belonged in extreme leftist universities mindset has now overtaken the Democrat Party. The policies coming out of Washington, the reasoning coming out of Washington, the premises are Marxist. The Marxists have taken over the Democrat Party. Yeah, there are people upset about that. There are people who say, no, actually, we want America the free. We want America founded on the ideas of the Declaration of Independence and America, the ideas of the Constitution. And we want to have genuine equality of opportunity. And we don't want Marxism. We don't want government controlled society. And we do want a strong border. And we do want free markets. And we do want capitalism. We don't want socialism. Those people are defending the idea of America. And Barack Obama, it has nothing to do with race. He's conflating that issue. He's trying to argue if people are concerned and trying to stand up strongly for the founding ideas of America, it's really because, I mean, honestly, it's really just they can't stand the idea that there may be new things coming. He's implying it has to do with uh, the change in racial demographics. He's misleading the people because the fact is the reason people on the conservative side are standing up for the rule of law and strong borders and a strong military and free markets and all the great things that conservatives stand for is because they understand that the marxist left is on the march and critical race theory is just one avenue one tactic they use to bring that here so yes president obama former president obama People are standing up for the founding ideas of America. It has nothing to do with race. Nice try, but you're not going to silence those who are trying to raise the alarm bell about critical race theory by casting them as frightened white people who are afraid of demographic changes or frightened white people who just can't stand the new ideas of modern America. The fact is the ideas of America that created America from the declaration until today are the best ideas that ever created any country on earth never perfect america's never been perfect yes there have been racist people in every generation of every race skin color ethnicity and national origin since time began but the fact is the ideas of america are the best and most extraordinary ideas that bless every single person every person regardless of race skin color ethnicity and national origin those ideas bless the ideas of america bless everyone and the people standing up for them are not thinking about race It's not a racial battle. It's a battle about the ideas of America and the ideas of Marxism and America saying no to the Barack Obama Democrat Party that is attempting to push this country over the cliff into socialism and Marxism. Standing up for America is not racist, President Obama. I close every show by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our first uh, segment today. A little earlier today, we saw about DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, soon to be President DeSantis, um, combats the Chinese Communist Party. Okay, The original blocking of the Wuhan lab leak story may have been because many US politicians, media companies, and corporations have a vested interest in friendly relations with China and in access to Chinese markets. And lab leak allegations could ruffle CCP feathers. So silence allegations with conspiracy theory and orange man bad and can never be right. This is how the right tried to mock President Trump and his supporters when they were concerned about the Chinese Communist Party. Plus, but now here we are, Hunter Biden laptop suggests a Biden family, uh, you think, comprised uh, c- compromised by the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, clearly they are. Election fraud evidence now implicating China the most recent election fraud evidence that came out in the the, uh, 26-minute video by Mike Lindell. A generation of U.S. political and business leaders have been asleep to the threat of communism to American freedom, but not Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who's calling out the CCP and waking up American politicians across the country. And Barack defends CRT, critical race theory, that's our next slide, um, and attacks white America. Obama actively defending critical race theory, spinning a story that right-wing media is stoking fears among white people of changing demographics. The American people are well-meaning, but haven't fully reconciled their evil past. And actually there was also discussion, opposition to HR1 involves the right trying to rig elections. Could I please scream about that for a moment? HR one, now S1, the Federalizing of American elections and the institutionalizing and mandating of election fraud tactics, what the left is trying to do. This is how the left spins the truth and wherever they want it to be. This is Obama trying to say HR one is, is the um, involves the right trying to rig elections or opposition to HR one. It is it is the voices on the right saying we can't allow this to happen. Here's truth. Americans don't fear other Americans. They love their fellow Americans. They fear a loss of America's founding ideals in this Marxist revolution. Americans do not deny any mistakes or flaws of the past. They show by decades of action a determination to correct and rectify them. Opposition to H.R. 1 is opposition to all forms of election rigging and cheating. The MAGA agenda has fully exposed anti-American radical leftism. Obama will not be able to re-hide his radical leftism, his or others. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time.